Hello, and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm Emily Lenore. Hi, I'm Krista Mapes. Hi, everyone. I'm Gillian Larson. Episode of Between the Stacks, we'll be discussing Women's History Month, interviewing Whiteside County Treasurer Penny Van Campen, discussing changes we would make to popular books, Tech Talk, introducing the community pick form, and Stack Attack, plus our segment, Ask a Librarian. But first, some announcements. Storytime is still ongoing Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Join Miss Katie on Facebook Live as she reads a story and leads kids through a short activity before bedtime. Library cards for kids. So Odell has set up an agreement with the Morrison Community School District that allows any kindergarten through 12th grade student that lives outside city limits to get a free library card. And if you have any questions about this or would like to apply for a card, please give us a call or email us. We mentioned Discovery Book Packs a few episodes ago, but we still have those Discovery Book Packs. We have a total of seven. We have a total of seven Discovery Book Packs, each about a different topic for children ranging from toddler through third grade. Some of the topics include dogs, cats, construction, and the ABCs. You can call us, send us an email, or message us through our social media platforms to reserve a book pack. So this month during March Madness, Odell is having our own version of March Madness called Stack Attack, a literary March Madness bracket. So our patrons and listeners will be able to vote on their favorite authors I've created a bracket which lists basically the top 64 authors on Odell's shelves, ranked by how many books they have here. This will be starting March 15th, so there's still some time before that. And we'll have more information about this and a picture of the bracket up on our Facebook page. So something that we'll be introducing to Odell pretty soon here is something called the Community Forum. I thought it would be cool to make a little display on our bulletin board. So what you can do, there will be a form on Odell Public Library's Facebook page and our website. You can fill this form out, leave a short book recommendation, a book review, why you would read this book, all that good stuff, and we will be displaying those inside the library for other patrons to view. There is also an option for us to read your book review on this podcast. So that's pretty fun. That's awesome. I know. I'm pretty excited about it. I would like to. I would like to know what the listeners are reading currently. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Just not just us. Yeah, not just books. not just us <laughs> recommending books. I'd like to hear what the community has to say. Which leads us into talking about the February book order. So, Krista, could you tell us about some popular books and authors coming to Odell in the book order, please? Yeah. So let's start with the adult books. We have The Umbrella Lady by V.C. Andrews, The Cashier's Web by Steve Barry, A Simple Murder by Linda Castillo, Calder Brand by Janet Daly, An Extravagant Death by Charles Finch, which I have a blurb for, so let me read you the blurb. I like blurbs. It's a historical fiction book, so let me set the scene. London. 1878. With faith in Scotland Yard shattered after a damning corruption investigation, Charles Lennox 
detective agency is rapidly expanding. The gentleman sleuth has all the work he can handle, two children, and an intriguing new murder case. But when Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli offers him the opportunity to undertake a diplomatic mission for the Queen, Lennox welcomes the chance to satisfy an unfulfilled yearning to travel to America. Arriving in New York, he begins to receive introductions into both its old Knickerbocker Society and its new Robber Baron Splendor. Then, a shock, the death of the season's most beautiful debutante, who appears to have thrown herself from a cliff, or was it suicide? Lennox's reputation has preceded him to the States, and he is summoned to a magnificent Newport mansion to investigate the mysterious death. What ensues is a fiendish game of cat and mouse. Witty, complex, and tender, an extravagant death, Charles Finch's triumphant return to the main storyline of his beloved Charles Nixon Lennox series, a devilish mystery, a social drama, and an unforgettable first trip for an Englishman coming to America. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. I've still got a few more books. Though. Okay, cool. Triple Chocolate Cheesecake Murder by Joanne Fluke. Woo! There's also another food-related title. What is it? Death by Chocolate Snickerdoodle by Sarah Graves. What's up with chocolate? I don't know. Okay. It's very interesting, though. We also got Relentless by Mark Greeny, The Four Winds by Christine Hanna, The Russian Cage by Charlene Harris, Missing and Endangered by J.A. Janis, Blink of an Eye by Iris Johansson, Serpentine by Jonathan Kellerman, The Vineyard at Painted Moon by Susan Mallory, The Other You by Joyce Carol Oates, the Shadow Box by Luann Rice, Faithless in Death by J.D. Robb, and then I've got two children's books that I think some little kiddos are going to be excited about. What are they? Eva at the Beach by Rebecca Elliott. Cute. It's the little owl books. Then also The Babysitter's Club Book 9, Claudia and the New Girl by Anne M. Martin. Oh, is that the graphic novel version of The Babysitter's Club? I believe so, yes. <gasps> those go out a lot. Those I, I like to see those go out. And then I do have a few books that looked interesting to me. Yeah. <clears throat> so we've got The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. Then there is My Year Abroad by Cheng Rei Li. So the next book that I think looks interesting is Game Changer by Neil Schusterman. All it takes is one hit on the football field, and suddenly Ash's life doesn't look quite the way he remembers it. Impossible though it seems, he's been hit into another dimension. What? Yeah. What? He got hit so hard that he's in another dimension. Are you kidding me? No. I Let thought me... he just had a concussion, but now he's like fully time hopped Bro, or something. he... Let, 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 me, let me continue, okay? Okay and keeps on bouncing through worlds that are almost, but not really, his own. What? The changes start small, but they quickly spiral out of control as Ash slides into universes where he has everything he's ever wanted. Universes where society is stuck in the past. Universes where he finds himself looking at life through entirely different eyes. And if he isn't careful, the world he's 
learning to see more clearly could blink out of existence. This high-concept novel from the National Book Award-winning and New York Times best-selling author of the Ark and of a Scythe series tackles the most urgent themes of our time, making this a must for readers who are starting to ask big questions about their own role in the universe. But that is it for me in the February book order. Well, thank you, Krista. You're welcome. That leads us into our next segment. Since this month is Women's History Month, we went ahead and uh, secured an interview with our Whiteside County Treasurer, Miss Penny Van Campen. So what advice would you give young women of today? My advice for young women would be with every job opportunity that you encounter with employers, with your employees, I would do it all with respect, be professional, be committed to what you do and work hard in every opportunity. And I do feel like all these characteristics will help them succeed in what they want to do. Awesome. Well, speaking of being professional, are there any good female role models that you've ever had in your life? Yes. As family is a very important part of um, my life growing up, we learn very many different life lessons. But honestly, the first woman in my life would be my mom. You know, I look up to her for her strength and determination to overcome challenges. I've seen her overcome a lot, and Mm -hmm. she's overcome those very well. And also, my grandmothers have shown me their love for God, and they've shown me commitment and hard work. And also, my youth pastor, you know, has shown me to trust in God and have faith. So not just one, but many women in my life have guided and shaped me to who I am today. That is a great answer. Thank you. So can you kind of describe for us what you do as Whiteside County Treasurer? Yeah, the county treasurer serves a dual purpose as the treasurer and the collector of the county. The treasurer is to receive and safely keep the revenue and public monies of the county. All funds received are properly accounted for and deposited into our local financial institutions. The treasurer is also responsible to balance funds and bank accounts monthly and report to the county board. The collector is to collect real estate and mobile home property taxes and distribute the funds to various taxing districts in the county. We collect over $80 million from over 35,000 parcels of real estate and distribute those funds to over 100 taxing districts in the county. The process involves mail the tax bills, recording and depositing tax payments, mailing delinquency notices, publishing delinquent parcels, and conducting the annual tax sale on delinquent parcels. Have you had any experiences within your life, though, that have helped really, like, shape you and get you to where you are right now? Like, what made you want to become... Uh, the treasurer of Whiteside County. A lot of my work history has been all around financial working. I worked on a casino in our bank vault for that. All those, I worked at the bank for many years, and all those have given me the knowledge to come into this position and really strive for the goal that I have met. And so with all of that, I really truly do feel that working hard and being committed has given me this opportunity. Well, thank you very much for calling us today and thank you for giving us some of your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome.
now we reach the part of the show, our segment called Tech Talk, where we talk about technology in our libraries. So we have a question from somebody who listens, and they say, I have little children who are just beginning to read. Do you have any tech gadgets that can help them learn to read books? We sure do. We've got leap reader pins and dogs with their accompanying books. Okay. And with these, you just take the pen and you actually just place them over words on the book. Mm -hmm. And it tells you how to say those words. Yeah, we have a lot of books. A lot of those books. Mm -hmm. Both for the dog and for the pens. And those Mm -hmm. go out quite often. Kids Mm -hmm. really like them. What's the difference between the dogs and the pens? So the dogs, I believe, only can hold four books books and they they come with board books so they're for little little kids usually those who are just starting to read or just turn the pages of a book but then the pens go with the larger books they're not quite chapter books but they're like mickey mouse books disney books leap reader books they have like phonics and yeah they 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 uh, work more with the phonics side and the the technical aspect of learning to read yeah so the pens are meant for the older kids then yes okay Okay. So in our junior fiction section, we also have some audiobooks. So if kids want to read the physical copy and also have the audiobook plan to listen and follow along, that might help them comprehend some of the words that they're reading. We also have playaways that we just introduced to the library. These aren't audiobooks in the sense that you, you know, have to have a CD player. These are more so, more so like little MP3 gadgets they just work with a battery and, and, and the only thing that's on these are the book itself so you just plug in a pair of headphones and you are good to go very nice we are now to the segment of changes we would make to books i'm so excited to talk about this i've waited for days <laughs> i've saved everything up In this segment of the show, we would like to ask ourselves a funny yet thought-provoking question. If we could change anything about a book, what would it be? Just so everyone listening knows, there will be spoilers about certain books ahead. If you'd like to skip this segment, there will be a timestamp in the show notes that will take you to our next segment, which is a spoiler-free zone. Okay. I want to start with Emily. I want to know what Emily has to say about this. So Emily, if you, you know, this is for the people who are reading a book and they're just like, I wish this didn't happen. I wish I could change this. I wish I could go to the writer and just speak my mind. What do you have to say about some books? So this is a section that I'm probably not going to be very good at because I really couldn't think of anything. So I was also told that nonfiction books are acceptable to use. So I guess my first change will be a change to history. <laughs> so we I can't really blame history. the author. Yeah, they have no control over just, what just happens. Go back in so time. the first book that I would change something is Manhunt, The Twelve Day Chase for Lincoln's Killer by James <laughs> L. Swanson. Would you, you would just take back the assassination of Abraham well, Lincoln? Well, so if I could... So basically, on the night of the assassination, they're in Ford's Theater... Mm-hmm. And so the president's box is set up like in the balcony, and there's a there's a couple doors in front of it, and the bodyguard just was not there. What? So Why? he was he was drinking next door, I think. In the t- I think he, I'm pretty sure he was next door at Star Tavern, but I could be wrong on that. How dare he? So I mean that's the first problem we have here is that nobody's there. So, so that- John Wilkes Booth just kind of came in, and he shot Lincoln. And he slashed Major Rathbone, who was there, 
And then, you know, like, Mrs. Lincoln and the Major's wife, Clara, are just like, Ah! <laughs> we don't know what to do! So I guess the first change I would make, just to, like, prevent things, is, like, have the bodyguard there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess if the assassination has to happen, the next thing I would change... So basically, so the assassination happens, and there's, like, chaos in D.C. because, I mean, duh, the president's been shot. Mm-hmm. And so they took him across the street to a house... I forget the name of the house, but it's still there. You can see it. And so, basically, Booth got out of the city. And that's where our problem is. I th- so, Secretary of War Edwin Stanton kind of took over things mm-hmm. after the assassination. Vice President Johnson was, like, drunk in his hotel room, so he wasn't really paying attention to things. Oh my goodness. So the Vice President was supposed to be, like, killed also. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that didn't happen, because the guy who was supposed to do it, like, ended up just getting drunk at the hotel bar, so he did. He what? bailed. What I think should have been done was they either should have telegraphed, like, all the police officers and been like, hey, you know, like, don't let anybody out of the city. Or they should have sent, like, a rider down, somebody on horseback, to the bridges leading out of the city. And, like, told them, hey, don't let anybody out. I'm serious. Like, we need to keep everybody in town. Because if they would have kept Booth and the other guy, Louis Payne, who... Got drunk at the... No, no, there's there's multiple people. There's a whole... What? So... What? Yes, there's literally a ring. A ring of people. Just get rid of the ring, Emily. (laughs) We can't really do that either. So... But that's what the segment's about, if you could change anything. Well, I guess, okay, so I guess if we had to change everything, John Wilkes Booth just wouldn't have been born. (laughs) They really needed to shut down, because then everybody would have been in town. Mm. You would have had Booth, you would have had Louis Payne, you would have had George Astrodot, the guy who was supposed to kill Vice President Johnson. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know you knew so much about this. History do you have in your head? So much. Too many. (laughs) <laughs> too many history. <laughs> too history. No, the Lincoln assassination, it's fascinating because, yeah. like, we only think about how Booth killed Lincoln. But underneath of that, Booth and his conspiracy peeps, like, had a whole plan. Like, they had the one guy who was going to kill Secretary of State, William Seward. Oh my God. <laughs> Secretary of State Seward, he was viciously attacked. He was, like, slashed, and, like, like his face was, like, slashed open. I guess... There's there's a lot that could have been changed. Oh, I see you also have like another Abraham Lincoln book. So yes. like are you just really passionate about Abraham Lincoln? What other what's your other book? So this is a sequel. So the first book in the series is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, oh which is gosh. like one of my favorite books of all time. Okay, cool. It's fantastic. This is a work of historical fiction. Correct? Yes, this okay. is not real. Vampires are not real. <laughs> oh, I didn't know, Emily. <laughs> Well, you do read Twilight. Well, hey, we're talking about that later. <laughs> don't Chill bring out. that up yet. She's got thoughts. <laughs> so I guess to kind of like set it up. So basically the series follows Henry Sturgis, who's a vampire. And he came over to America like very early on. He was part of the, the, the Roanoke, the lost colony of Roanoke. So the author, who's unnamed in the series, he is working at like a like a five and dime store like in a tourist town and this henry sturgis guy comes in and just leaves him with like the journals of abraham lincoln and so this vampire henry wants him to write a book about abraham lincoln vampire hunting and stuff so abraham lincoln is assassinated in the book the vampires in like the good vampires because there's good and bad ones there's the ones on the side of the confederacy who are bad and there's ones on the side of the union who are good <laughs> they the ones on the side of the union are like sworn to like not make any new vampires and at the end of the first book when, when Lincoln is assassinated 
Vampire Henry breaks that rule, and he turns Abraham Lincoln into a vampire. <gasps> so basically, so basically, so basically though, so Lincoln and Henry meet up, and like Lincoln is furious because he spent his whole life trying to kill vampires, and now he is one, and he is just, so mad. He's just so mad, and so basically, they get into the fight. And like Lincoln, like either jumps or falls out a window, and so we're led to believe that he dies right there. That's the end of his life. Like died. Then he he's alive and well in the second book, which is great. And that's but then in the second book, he and Henry are battling Virginia Dare, who's also a vampire. In in real life, Virginia Dare was the first baby born in the New World, but in this version, she's a vampire. And so Lincoln. I believe it's in Dallas around the time of the Kennedy assassination. And so Lincoln and Henry are fighting her and she dies. But then Lincoln also dies and I don't want that to happen. Wait, so he dies a third time? No, no, he didn't actually die when he fell out oh, the window. Oh, when he fell out the window. So this is like and he actual survived. death. He survived when he fell out the window. Because, you know, vampires can't do light in the sun. So. Oh. So the fell out of the window was like just like he burns. But he didn't gotcha. actually. That makes oh. He was okay. But then he dies in this one? But he dies when heck? fighting he with actually Dare. So he did not want that to happen. So the changes that you really want to make is to that, both of these books is that is Lincoln that lives. Lincoln yeah. lives. I guess that's I guess that's for <laughs> sure. hey, that's a valid opinion. I it wish Abraham like that's it for my books. Nice. Well thank okay. you for sharing, Emily. Krista, what books would right. you change? <laughs> so Oh dear. Harry Potter. What would you change in Harry Potter? Name one thing you would change in Harry There's Potter. There's so many! Yeah, out of the many things that could happen in Harry Potter. So, very first one that I would change is that Hermione should not have ended up with Ron. I agree. Why? Hermione is such, like, a powerful female character, and she's too smart for him. Like, seriously, she's too smart for him. Yeah, okay, I agree. Like, Ron was a little dumb sometimes, but should she have ended up with Harry? No. Oh. <laughs> not need a man. No. Also, like, I have no idea. Yeah, Emily's like, I don't I don't know what know. Harry Potter is. Like, to be honest, I wanted Hermione to end up with one of the twins. Like, just because you're biased no. towards the twins. I am not biased towards the twins. I like the twins. The twins are actually very smart. Like, they the create characters. their own business. Honestly, in Harry so, Potter, the twins are the best characters. Seriously. So you're they, saying she should have either ended up by herself or with a twin? Yeah, well, I, not, I can get behind that. Yeah, not by herself. She probably could have found someone else, but not Ron. I'm, not Ron, or Harry. Harry's stupid as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, the book is named after him, but he's stupid. Okay. Once again, relationships. So Jenny should not have ended up with Harry. Once again, she is way too powerful of a wizard to have ended up with Harry. Okay. Hey, I- Okay, devil's advocate. The books are about Harry Potter, and he's kind of care. powerful. He's kind of the chosen one. So you're saying that there's another... Wi- to, why wouldn't have the books just been about Ginny Weasley then? To be honest, I think the books should have been written in Hermione's point of view because... Well, okay, I can get behind that. Because Hermione actually, like, just saves Harry and Ron mm-hmm. the majority of the time in the books. Well, I want to talk about the twins, though. Like, you said that you had a point about the twins. Yeah. Fred... Should not have died the way that he did because he literally died in an epic battle, but was crushed by a wall. Not with magic, not 
by like saving someone, like even pushing them out of the way of the wall. No, he was just standing there after a major battle. Got crushed by a wall. And he got crushed by a wall. I, would you have made him die a different way? I wouldn't have made him die. (laughs) He would have ended up with Hermione. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's just have Ron substitute Fred. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would have been like, though, if Ron would have died? Like, that would have, you would have had a whole different. It would have been a whole different ending. It would have been so good, because you know what? If Ron had been the one that was crushed by the wall, Hermione could have grieved. Fred would have been there to help console. And through that, they would have built a re- like built a, a friendship, beautiful, beautiful then friendship. a relationship. Those are the best kinds of relationships, And then they dude. would have... Perfect. Okay. So... All right. And to be honest with you, I read somewhere that J.K. Rowling was, like playing with the idea that Hermione would have ended up with one of the twins. There's one more book that I chose for this segment, the Mortal Instrument series by Cassandra Clare, which neither of you two have read, I believe. Nope. As you frown at me for not reading it. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Well, I'm going to know all about Uh, it now. I think the series in itself could have been way shorter. There's a total of six books. Oh wow, okay. In this particular series that How she big has. Are they? They're pretty big. Like I think the first one is two hundred ish pages. Okay. okay. But by the last one it's like four hundred. Oh, okay. But the very like middle books, I feel like she just threw random stuff in there. Okay. Like it it was confusing. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I bet those the, books lag a lot. Then, if it's if it's uh, books four and five, yes, mm-hmm. those were the two books that were like the just that you could pitch them and it'd be fine. Like, there's a few important parts that you need to know in them, but majority of it just you can skim. Okay, that's it for me. What about you, Gil? Oh, I have a lot of feelings. Okay, okay, okay. So if I could change anything in a book series, it would be out of the many things that I want to change. One thing I would change is in the book The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Augustus should not have died, and I still cry about it. This book was way too traumatic for my little seventh grade heart, and I I had to be carried out of the theater when I saw the movie, and I remember hyperventilating in my room reading the book because it was so sad. If anybody's ever read this book, I have a lot of feelings about it. Like, I cried at least twice during this book. Yeah, during so, the book, the movie dur- is, is gut-wrenchingly oh, sad. Yeah, very much so. And I don't think but I should have read it at age 12. I read it, like, my freshman year of high school, so... Yeah. Hazel Grace lives. That's great. I just feel like it could have been a more uplifting story without Augustus having to die. Yeah, but that's not how life is, which is, I think, why John Green wrote it this I way. I understand it. I just wish I didn't go through that. I wish... I just... Well, I liked Augustus' sh- character. Maybe he should have put, if like, any- a little warning on the book. If anything, Hazel Grace should have died. She should have pulled a Triss from Divergent, which... That's another thing I wanted to change. The Divergent series... The third one, I haven't even read all the way through because Triss straight up just dies. What young adult main character just straight up dies in the, in, in their own book series? Like, I'm sure, like, like Veronica Roth was trying to be edgy or something or, like, prove something. No, she but... was trying to be different from The Hunger Games. Well, The Hunger Games <laughs> no, that... should have only been one Sh- book. No, The Hunger Games should have been three books. It could have been a shorter, very last book, but it could have been 
it, it needs to be three books. I think the beauty of The Hunger Games was just the fact that it was it was so interesting. The first book was so good. The first movie was so good. And then the rest of it the was just was trash. The, when I was 12, I thought it was the greatest thing on earth. It was trash. Okay. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence, amazing in the movies. Also, the other actors, amazing. No fault of theirs that it's trash. It's just, it was pictured in my head differently. Oh, yeah. So... Which is, I think, the reason why books and movies just... Nope. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, I would rather, you know, have, like, a world, a utopian or a, a dystopian society that I don't understand a lot of, that I fear it more. I feel like we went way too far into the capital, we went way too far into warfare, Primrose died, that was emotional. Like, I feel like the beauty of it was just that... You know, the book ends with her raising up her hand in the Hunger Games salute, the three fingers together, and it, it gave me hope, but not for the rest of the series. Do you know what I mean? It would have been just a beautiful, like, end, maybe maybe Katniss defeats yeah, people. Yeah, but I would definitely want to read more. But it's better to want no, more than no. to receive crappy novels. It was crappy not crappy. Crappy editions to the series. I what? thought it was great. Okay, that's your opinion. You're allowed I'm to be wrong. You're allowed to be wrong. Okay, thanks. Um, I want to talk about the Twilight series. There's so much wrong with the series. I can admit, as a person who was obsessed with these books and movies, there are a lot of red flags in all of the characters, and people don't behave realistically, in my opinion. Like, Edward can't communicate properly. He's just a bad communicator in a relationship. Jacob was toxic. Bella was ignorant. Like, I have a lot of feelings about this. I would, if I could change anything about this about about this series, I would make everyone a little bit more intelligent. I'm also Team Mike Newton. He was the only human in the entire four book series and five movies that had an interest in Bella. He was just a human. He was just a kid. Like, and I know that's boring. The air quotation is boring, but all all of it could have been avoided if Bella would have just not gravitated towards a glittery, auburn-haired, golden-eyed Edward Cullen. Okay. And There's... while I know your answer is going to be, but what would have moved the story forward? No, I completely agree with you. It could have been a much shorter book. That's just the thing. Yeah, there could have been a vampire, but then she could have fallen in love with a human at the end. Instead mm. of, oh, but there's also, like, a werewolf who will kiss you without consent and who's, like, your childhood friend. And also, like, Edward, who, like, leaves her in the second book because I can't do this anymore. Dude, you're 117 years old. Like, get over yourself, please. Or she'll go to a human. The whole thing, the whole book series, Edward is like, yo, you wouldn't be happy with me. I'm old. I'm a vampire. We don't age. You should be with a human. Well, dude, then leave permanently. Just leave, leave permanently. I will go to a human. Thank you very much. And Mike I, Newton, who would treat me right. You know what? I have one thing I will add to this. What's up? And it's not anything that's disagreeing with you. It's just I don't think vampires should sparkle. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, right. I think it's cool when they burn. I think it's cool when they burn. Plus, I'm white. You're white. <laughs> like, we are pasty white gingers. We are pasty just, white redheads. Just who, so you guys know. I wish I could sparkle. If that was my only like, problem with going I, in the sun. I can't sparkle. Also, why are you all a hundred something years old and you're doing high school over right? and over and over? Why? Why? Why can't they just graduate? Why like, can't they just go to college? Like, age. Like, just leave. Exactly. They're a hundred and something years old. Why are they in high yeah. school? Why are they hitting on high school girls? The whole Twilight series is problematic. I would just get rid of it. Just abolish just the Twilight series. Moving on. <laughs>
to our next segment. Ask a librarian. We, okay, so we didn't have any listener submissions this episode, and Emily took it upon herself to write this, and I'm going to read it off of the page. What should Emily major in? No, seriously, we can ask the audience to submit recommendations. I think that would be fun. So Miss Emily is currently having, like, kind of an identity crisis right now. Like, it's natural. It's really natural. She's only in her first year of college. We're in a pandemic. Like, I get that it's crazy. But you're just really trying to soul search right now and figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. And yeah. recently... You have gravitated towards what? So, I'm interested in a lot of things. Astronomy, physics, aerospace engineering, biomedical engineering, computer science, data science, statistics. And you were you were a journalism major, and yeah. you were an English major, and then you were a history well, major. Well, I started out as history, and then yeah. I wasn't technically an English major. Like, it didn't get put through. So, and then I was a journalism major, and I still am for now, so we'll see what happens. I think you should go with science. I mean, you've had, like, this revelation about space, space lately, and I'm into that. I love space. I changed my major so I could teach kids space, and then I realized that that is not for me, but it could be for you. So if you want to go to NASA, I support you with that. Yeah. I agree. But if anybody, but- any, if any listener knows of a career that would interest Emily, like, please email us. Or yeah. call us. I'd love to pick up the phone when Emily's not here and be like, I have a suggestion. <laughs> she should do this with her life. I'll write it down. I'll give it to Emily. I don't care. Yeah. Or, like, if you even have, like, a little story about yourself, like, going through one of these majors and would like to give her advice, mm-hmm. please. We want to help Emily. She's our <laughs> editor. She works very hard. We She's love a her. wonderful person. We and- love her so much. She, she just needs a little bit of help right now. <laughs> well, Emily, we believe in you. Oh, that's good. I love how the, this episode's been a roller coaster. This, this one <laughs> February books, Women's History Month, books we would change, and a spotlight on Emily. So. All right. So that's it for this episode. Tune in on March 15th for the next episode. And until then, happy, happy reading! reading. Between the Stacks is hosted by Gillian Larson, Krista Mapes, and Emily Lenore. This episode was written by Gillian Larson and Emily Lenore, with editing and audio production by Emily Lenore. Special thanks to our guest, Penny Van Campen, the entire Odell Public Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. Thanks to all our wonderful patrons who support the library, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hey. It's Emily from Between the Stacks, and I'm here to tell you about a cool feature you might want to take advantage of. Our listeners can send us voice messages on our podcast website. If you have a question for Tech Talk or Ask a Librarian, have information about something we should cover on the show, or want to send us feedback, send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash Between the Stacks, and you may hear yourself on a future episode.